This episode contains sensitive topics. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody. Come on in. Take a seat. Uh, the waitresses will be right around with you. Uh, you may notice today they are a little bit more tied up than usual. Uh, of course, you've got me, Puce, your main host. We've also got Alt here tonight. Hi. And with us tonight, we actually have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself, Sarah? Yeah, hi. My name is Sarah, and I am a rope aficionado. Got a 10-year background in professional training, and much further back interests than that. Well, sounds like you are the perfect person to keep us tied up for the night while Minka's out. <laughs> you're, you're really going to do this all night, aren't you? What's wrong with a few puns? It depends on how good the pun is. Well, you can cut out as many as you like. I am going to. Oh, trust me. Rude. All right. Accurate. So, so Sarah, uh, you said mentioned you've been in uh, the industry for 10 years, you said? Yeah, about 10 years for public, like um, actually going to uh, spaces to learn on a technical rather rather than the fun that one has in the bedroom. All right. So what what exactly do, mo- like, obviously when it comes to rope play and being tied up, most people just kind of see think uh, Fifty Shades of Grey uh, is probably the most obvious uh public display of it all. I'm assuming that's not exactly the best thing to follow. Um, I would call it mediocre. I do appreciate their slight issuance of terror about suspension because that's not a good place to spar start when you are learning your rope journey. But it did bring a lot of new interesting people into the community so I have to be a little bit grateful for that Pakaka movie, book series, whatever we want to call it. Okay. Um, so when it comes to rope play, where do you like to start? Um, for me, I am what is called a switch. I both bottom, meaning I am tied, and I am both top, meaning I tie. And Within a scene, the first thing I do, um, top or bottom side, is negotiate to figure out what our limits are and what our risk profiles are. In rope, risk profiles are everything because what is acceptable to one person's body might not work for another person's body. For example, there is a rather wonderful rope bottom who is a very accomplished pianist. So they need to be tied in a specific way because they can't have some of the risks such as wrist drop that somebody else who maybe doesn't use their hands in that type of technical way for a living would be able to do. Um, From there, it is all about figuring out what we want our scene to be. How do we want to make it feel? figuring out like if we're playing with an established partner negotiations have been built upon we already know what their scene looks like when they're having a good time we know what the scene looks like when they're having a bad time Um, but with new people we ask those questions all right so tell me what does it look like when you're in a scene and you're not feeling it 
Um, we ask a lot of in-depth questions, both open-ended and closed-ended, because of the risk within rope and the vulnerability of being tied up. You are literally putting your life in somebody else's hands. You could think that, oh, it's just a fun little scarf thing, but no, this person can tie you to a hotel bed and you're and ignore your safe words. So we do a lot of pre-negotiating. We do a lot of vetting. We do a lot of well, personally, I do a lot of floor work and pre-work before I go into a place where I'm doing full scenes. I always tell anybody that ties with me as my bottom, the first two times are going to be incredibly boring because we're going to get to know each other and we're going to stop and visit places. And you might love that place, but we're not going to stay there because I want to see your reactions to these other places. I want to see if this particular tie is good for your body. Do you feel supported? Do you feel pain and comfort? A multitude of different things that you need to learn in order to have a cohesive experience with your partner. It's definitely not a one-person-only activity. It can be. But in general, an active bottom and a response-seeking top work best. And they have the more, I don't think accomplished is the right word, but they have the more fulfilling types of scenes. Okay, so seems like it's very communicative and yes. you got to find everybody's line. That's what I'm Def getting out of it, all that. Definitely. Rope is a very communicative, um, very emotionally and physically vulnerable type of play. So it's, it's really quite beautiful. It's always good to hear. Uh, so what do you have more experience with being the tied up or the person doing the tying up? I'm about 50-50. Um, I also self-suspend, which is a whole nother category that we probably don't need to go down that rabbit hole. It could be a three-hour podcast on its own. Um, but yeah, about 50-50. I've traveled for classes internationally, and I've learned from some really amazing teachers that have allowed me and my former partner to kind of switch so I can learn things, and that that's pretty rare. So I've been very fortunate to be able to say that even when I'm bottoming, I'm learning like I would as a top. So previously, we've had one of Alt's uh, other friends on who was uh, a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. He did a little bit of everything, it seemed like. Um, they. They. Oh, they. Yeah. Sorry. They are one of my best friends in this world, so. Okay. So you do you two ever uh, work together or have done work for each other? Um, I've taught them uh, a number of things. They've taught me a number of things. We are very much platonic play partners, meaning we don't really engage in activity, but we engage in teaching. And if they are tying their partner, um, they'll ask me, hey, can you come check this out? Or we're trying to get like a little group together for people that want to learn in a very small, very vetted place so that it can be a little bit more accessible outside of 
our local dungeon clubs because not everybody wants to go into that environment. It is not accessible emotionally for everybody. That's good to hear. It's always good to have kind of a cross-contamination type of thing going on to make sure everybody's exactly. uh, up to date and learning new things because nobody knows everything, right? And the more you think you know about rope, the more you realize, well, it's kind of the, 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 the lovely bell curve. You start it and you're like, I know all these things. And then you start getting into moderate to high level classes and you're like, oh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course. Awesome. You're like, Wait, oh. oh, shit. What? You don't know anything. Are we allowed to swear? <laughs> did, did you ask if you were allowed to cuss? Consent. It's all about consent. There are uh, multiple places this and podcasts. R18 podcast. The shit we have said before. <laughs> Still going to ask. That That's wired into me from being in the rope community like the rope community is really a sub community of a sub community of the entire kink world we are i want to say insular and in a way we are because rope is one of the few kinks that you can truly photograph the process i mean with other impact play and different kinds of play you can take pictures of the bruises. You can take a single picture of a flogger coming down. But with rope, when you're looking at these pictures, for some people, those pictures are their kink of rope. They're being able to look at those pictures and say, I feel exactly the way I wanted to feel in this scene, or I feel beautiful, or wow, I didn't know I could do that. So rope pant is tactile. It's also visual for many people. I am not a picture taker. I wrap myself in my scene with my partner and pretty much nothing exists outside of our bubble. But I have many friends who are professional photographers and they photograph their rope bondage and I get to see these images and go, wow, you're awesome. And then I see some images and I go, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You're on the list of not going near me. We might have to have a conversation after podcast about that. That just gave me an idea. Okay. How'd you get into all this? I don't know. Um, that life. And I, when the website first opened, I think it was late 2007, I created a profile it kind of went dormant, didn't really respond to anything. Um, I got out of, me and my ex-husband divorced, and he was the most vanilla person on the planet. And I was like, I want to try this public kink thing, because I've, I've done play with past partners, past girlfriends, past boyfriends, um, past they friends. But I've never really been to a dungeon, and random person messaged me and I was new to the scene. Um, don't do what I did. Don't just go meet them for dinner and be like, oh, you seem nice. You can tie me up. <laughs> I didn't know enough. Man. I, I, I was Man. I was a trusting soul back then. Back then. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He actually ended up being pretty amazing. We're still friends to this day. We do not tie. That's good. At all. But I got 
really lucky that I did not get one of the douche canoes out there because there are definitely, in the kink community, you can gain a lot of social capital by being a rope person that posts pictures. You basically become felt life famous or kink community famous. And there are definitely people within the teacher or the leader role that will abuse that. So I got lucky. Um, he took me to my very first dungeon. It was a place in, in Ohio, um, where I used to be from, and never been to a dungeon before. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you said Ohio. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm here too. It fucking sucks. I actually love it. Like, I grew up moving around my entire life, and some of the people suck, but now I live in a neighborhood where, like, the kids play outside and it's not just a single shade of human being. We've got a lot more diversity where I'm living and I get to eat the most amazing food and meet the most amazing people and learn all these cool cultures. It's, I, I'm one of the only people that never complain about living in Ohio because I live where, as they jokingly call it, where they put the immigrants in. Oh, I'm not going to sit I, I love it. The food. Ooh. But yeah, um, my friend took me there and I walk into this dungeon. The first thing I see are two people with needles and thumbtacks in their hands and another person on a table tied down and they were inserting these sharp things into this person's mm. external genitalia. So that was my first experience like public dungeon wise and i was just like well go no i was just like okay if that's you know <laughs> that's i can't really think of anything that'll scare me off after i've seen that <laughs> and then i was like i want to do needle play that sounds fun so somebody made a giant pattern on my back i'm sure you've seen the pictures of girls and the gentlemen and vase with uh, the corsets on their back and stuff like that. But to try to not digress and go on a tangent, um, at that dungeon, I met three other people that rope was their focus and developed a pretty good friendship with them and started traveling. Um, 2015, maybe I think I want to say it was my first real, real intensive. I traveled to Louisville, Kentucky to see Gorgon, who is, they are the, one of the best rope educators, rope bottoms, rope tops that I have met. Their depth of knowledge and skill, like, I think by going to that as my first intensive. So what an intensive is, it's three to four days, six to eight hours a day with an instructor. And we're not talking an instructor that leads your local rope group. We're talking about an instructor that is usually either nationally or internationally renowned. So it's an intense experience. And having Gorgon as my first experience gave me a lot of tools to get more out of every experience I had after that. And after that intensive, I was hooked. I went pure neurodivergent, hyper-focused down the rabbit hole. And I learned from everybody because... 
every single person knows something I don't. So I really love to ask people that are new that are doing something, how'd you do that? Because they might have a hand tip or they might have something they've learned outsource that they've connected into rope that's really cool. So my biggest goal is to never stop learning about rope and never stop teaching now that I have a foundation where I can be a good teacher. So Sarah, you talked about getting into rope play. Rope play definitely seems like something that a lot of people look at and are, I feel like most people don't understand it. What would your like first steps to uh, introducing somebody to rope play be? Um, my first steps are usually asking what pictures have you seen of somebody in rope that made you want to seek out this experience? That helps give me a really good frame of mind on their part. And it's something that as a rope bottom, that was one of the first questions asked to me when I tied outside of a partnership. It really like struck a chord and helped me formulate why do I like to be a rope. So I guess I'd say the first step is figure out what you like about rope. So do you imagine yourself tying the person or do you imagine yourself being the person tied? Do you like scenes where pictures where it looks like there is struggle or do you like pictures where there is serenity? Do you like some of the more what is it's not the nicest word, but it's called circus rope. So a lot more performative rope. So people that have been aerialists like me, um, bringing in performance dynamics instead of just scene dynamics, um, build that. And then the next thing, figure out your risk profile. There are so many different ways you can injure yourself both temporarily and permanently in rope that once you figured out what you want out of rope, you really, really need to figure out what risks you're comfortable taking and you need to figure out how to communicate that with the person that you're tying with, regardless of what side of the slash you are on for this. Uh, you also need to figure out, do you want DS dynamic in rope or do you want it to be just two equals but you are bottoming rather than submitting? I know with D you went into the DS so I'm trying to not talk about what they spoke about but it's pretty significant to know where where you want to be um, mentally within the rope. So figure out what you like figure out your risk profile. Are you okay with an accident where you get wrist drop? And what wrist drop is, is it means you cannot do something, say like pretend you're revving a motorcycle. So that motion of lifting your wrist from the down position to the up position. Um, there's a nerve that runs along the back of the arm um, between the delta muscle and certain types of ties run a significantly higher risk of compressing that nerve and causing damage. I've personally had wrist drop three times in 10 years. I've been incredibly lucky that I've never lost function for more than 48 hours, but it's scary. You need to understand that if suspension is your end goal, whole nother risk profile you have to decide for yourself. Um, I highly advocate for people to find local rope groups. 
have a place where you can have communication because there's so much that you don't realize that you need to know until somebody says it and it rings that bell or unchecks that box in your brain and you're like, oh, I need to learn more about this type of danger or I want to learn more about this type of uh, skill. I'm bloviating. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I've I've been enjoying listening to all this. I don't know about alt. We fucked up. What did I do? What do you mean? Uh, this is our Christmas special. We didn't say shit about that. That's my bad. Oh well, yeah, holiday, holiday special because it's it's the week of Christmas and I'm gonna yeah week of Christmas yeah all right that since not everyone celebrates Christmas it's gonna be the, the holiday, holiday week. special right you're supposed to be teaching us how to wrap presents oh. not people contact paper so Sarah you mentioned suspension I assume when most people think about rope they're assuming getting tied up and kind of just more like hostage situation tied up. Uh, when you say suspension, you mean like dangling yes. from a ceiling? Yes. Or like so there the wall, right? are a few different, I, I'm going to call them schools. That tends to be the most relatable term to people. Schools of rope. You've got Western rope, which is if you see the two naughty boys books or tutorials, um, a lot of the decorative corsetry, a lot of the nylon rope. Um, there's not a lot of ceremony to the tying. It's it's functional with a decorative twist. You have got shibari, kimbaku, Japanese rope. Everybody has a different name for it. Everybody has a different story for the name for it. Um, and that is more ceremonialized there are more strict pattern usages um it tends to be suspension led um as that's the nature of the the japanese herb style um, but you've got floor work which is where most people start and that is the damsel in distress, the hog tied on the ground. You know, we all have seen the, the internet picture of the girl with the ball gag in her mouth, and she, she's literally hog tied. So that would be a floor rope. Um, you've got partial suspensions, and what these usually are is something that we call predicament play. So you'll tie your partner, and you'll put them in a position. And you'll add to the tie so that if they move from that position, you can either add pleasure, you can add pain, you can add traps where if they move, they're going to twist, fall, they're going to completely change the tie. Um, so many different things. It's called partial suspension because when you put your partner in this position, you often have them tied off to what's called a hard point. Hard points are suspension rings they are you'll see them in dungeons some people will have them done at home no you cannot just put an eye hook into your ceiling joist and call it a suspension point that's a great way to avoid your homeowner's insurance possibly damage the structural integrity of your house and drop your partner on your head which is never a good time and then you've got full suspension which is a very large topic. It's a lot of people's end goal. And I never really quite, I couldn't put my finger on the pulse of why suspension was everybody's end goal until I realized it's the pictures. You don't really see, outside of like professional 
this tie is done particularly for this picture. Pictures of people that are just doing floor plate. Like you might get the, the picture of the pattern, but you don't really get the picture that includes the emotion within the tie with foreplay. You can, not as common. Suspension that really shines right through. So that's what a lot of people see when they are first looking at rope. If you do the hashtag Shibari on Instagram or please don't do TikTok. I haven't found a single one that um I I'm surprised I'm surprised I have not caught a ban for some of the things I have read people on. I have read them to filth and I will do it again. Thank you. Um, but yeah. Okay. That's good to know about suspension. Cause I didn't know there were so many levels to that kind of thing. I just kind of figured there was full on dangling and then just kind of being tied up. Yeah. Within suspension, there are multiple multiple levels of suspension. You've got static suspension where you tie them into the pose and you let them hang there. Or if you're doing sexy time stuff, you do your sexy time stuff. You've got dynamic suspension where you are putting your partner into a pose or you're being put into a pose and then you transition to another one. Um, there are sequences through that. You've got performance suspension where a partner will be tied and you're you're doing it as a performance um, so sometimes they'll body surf their partner or other elements will be added very common you'll see people that are suspended these beautiful poses and you'll see a rock tied around their waist and you're like what the huh and that's part of the suspension. It's part of the performance of it. So with the Japanese, one school of thought, train of thought, is shibari is a three-person sport. It's the top, the bottom, and the audience. And that can create some really interesting dynamics. I've seen some performances that are absolutely unparalleled to some of the Cirque du Soleil type performances I've seen. So it's rope is a topic that contains about 5,000 subtopics. Suspension is just a chunk of that that most people think to because they are the prettiest pictures. At least that's my theory. That doesn't mean I'm right. It's good to know we've picked such a broad topic then to talk about <laughs> with a million <laughs> points. Yes. That's why I tried to come up with an outline and not go too far because there's a lot of philosophy behind it there's a lot of study and the neurogenical effects of it there is so many cool things out in pittsburgh there is a person who spends their time basically putting the wires to the head doing the oh geez my brain just completely farted that acronym but the wires to the head check the the alpha theta beta waves um tie their partner up check them do a lot of different stuff he's done some they have done some amazing science on rope and different reactions and why people react so you definitely picked a very very large topic well good to know if we ever want to have a deep dive episode on any one particular thing this is one subject we can deep dive into several times Definitely. And there are so many people much better at speaking to other parts than me. I would love to get you in shop with them should you decide to do that. It's always wonderful to hear. Thank you. Um, so 
Uh, next on your little outline, you've kind of helped us build to keep us somewhat on track. Uh, you list compression. Mm -hmm. uh, so I assume that's how tight the ropes get, how what parts of the body are feeling the pressure, that kind of stuff. Um, partially. So some people, one of my partners, really loves the feeling of being tight and bound. So think of a mummy tie where it looks like somebody's basically been mummified in rope or plastic. You see people mummified by plastic. It's same theory. Um, some people like compression because they like pain on their feet. So there are ties where you put your rope between the toes and you do some fun things and it creates significant compression on the feet. Some people have breast fetishes with ties and you can do what's called a cupcake tie and you can tie the breast, which will engorge it with blood and make it a thousand times more sensitive. There is compression and just as a hug, there's compression of feeling like you're falling, but you can't, you're, you're, you're so compressed, you can't stop it. It's your top who's creating mm. the sensation. Mm. So you've got that feeling of comfort of compression because most, most mammals like the feeling of compression. It's why weighted blankets have become so popular is that feeling feels good. It's reassuring. Man. And then that is not where I thought you were going to go with that. <laughs> and then you get to the tops like, okay, I, I'm not going to lie. I can be a bit of a sadist who will give you that compression, that comfort, let you sink into it. And then I'll transition you into a position where you feel like you're falling or you're off balance. No. Mm -mm. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm -mm. It's beautiful. Mm -mm. Um, and it might not be physically off balance. It might be a mind fuck. It might be fear play. It might be just slightly, they're, they're partially suspended. Their toes are touching and it's just pushing their toes so that they lose their footing for a second until they can refine it. Mm -hmm. So you're really mm -hmm. playing with the, the, the lizard brain in the middle, in your prefrontal cortex with this. You've got your fear in the back and you've got your comfort and your more evolved emotions in the front. So it can be cathartic. It could be fun. It can be adrenalizing. There's just so many ways. I was just about to say, it sounds like people who like to go on roller coasters uh, amped up quite a yes. bit. Yes, there is definitely... Okay, you see, but like, I'm, I'm sitting down... I'm relatively safe. If I feel like I'm just straight about to fall for 20 minutes, I'm going to be like, listen, <laughs> this sucks. Of course. I hate this. If you are tying with somebody that you don't know, that you don't have a bond with or a, a, a trust built with them, that would be a horrendous situation. If you're with somebody that you have an established relationship, you have an established partnership and a rope together, and you have that experience, I'm not saying you would feel differently. Every single human's different. But the way you feel when you're with somebody that you fully trust in that type of position, position and the way you feel with somebody you don't really trust in that type of position are two completely different emotional processing mechanisms within the brain as well as physiological responses. There's a lot of psychology in rope. I was just going to say, listen, 
Like, I understand what you're saying, but in that situation, no me gusta. if you let me fall, I'm going to hurt you. Oh, I feel I that. How well we know each other. I'm going to beat your ass. I feel and If that. I don't know, you're going to hurt you right? more. We were, my, my ex and I were at an intensive in Chicago learning from a instructor named Isabella. And we were learning this new tie. I've never done it before. And as soon as she had brought me into position for the first transition, I'm like, I'm going to hit my head if you move me. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. And I'm like, no, I'm going to hit my head. And they're like, no, no, you're not. They move me. Whoop. That was a fight. <laughs> that was a fight after that because mm-hmm. I'm just like no, no, we're, we're we're not playing that game. So you mentioned uh, you're a little bit sadistic uh, when you tie people up. Uh, I assume most people when they think BDSM think you either like pain or you like to cause pain. Uh, I'm assuming for the most part that does at least somewhat apply to role play, but. At the same time, it also sounds like it doesn't have to be about the pain. Rope should never hurt unless it's intentional. Rope will be uncomfortable. There are things that that they're they're, going to suck. They're they're, they're not going to feel great. You're not going to be like, oh, baby, give me more of that thigh cuff. Those things suck, but they're, they're, they're not necessarily pain. They are not intentional pain. If you are a top and whatever you tie is always causing pain and not just discomfort as you work into the tie, that means you need to evaluate your skill and learn your tie better. Pain should always be intentional, not incendiary to the rope tie. I thought that'd be the answer. I just like to always touch base on that to make sure uh, everybody's always on the same page of knowing pain is not the for some people it is side effect it's more the cause it's what you want to be the goal not something that happens along the way it is it should be built on intent not on what sounds kind of snobby but what i would call lack of skill if you can't tie something in a way that doesn't cause physical pain then you probably shouldn't be tying that on another human in a scene until you have figured your tie out well. Yeah, you fucking scrub. <laughs> what are you talking about? Did you not? Never mind. Never mind. I don't know what you're talking about. So, like, one of my ex-girlfriends was like, yeah, I want to try Shibari. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her. I'm like, listen, I love you. Who the fuck you gonna find to do that? Because you, we both know I do not have the patience to tie you up, nor the skill or ability. So who, who, who gonna do that? I'm, I'm totally fine with we, we, us finding someone to tie you up, but it's, it's not gonna be me. I it's just not your thing, right and that's okay. I did not have the patience at first. I, I did not have somebody that took the act of tying and actually made it an emotive part of a scene for a while. So I was always bored just waiting for them to be done so I could go up the air. But with rope, everything is intention. And how you touch your partner, how your partner reacts to you. One of my favorite things is when I'm tying, it's called a goatee or a TK, Chakakote, 
there, there's a million beads. It's based or a box tie, palm, hands behind the back. Basically, if you can touch your hands to your elbows, you create a box on your back. There's a tie. And the feeling of when you first tie the person's wrist and then you pull them onto you and start bringing around the wraps on the shoulders, the way a person melts during that is one of the, like my favorite things in the world. It's my favorite thing as a bottom and it's my favorite thing as a top. Like that, that, that moment of connection is just chef's kiss. All right. Wasn't expecting that meme to come back out. I'm 40. I've got to do cringy stuff. I'm an old lady. That's just the ripe age of figuring everything out and having a lot of experience. the age where you no longer give a fuck what anybody thinks about you because you realize people don't actually care what you're doing. They're not watching you. They're too wrapped up in their own brains. You're lucky if they remember you exist three seconds after you walk out the door, so you might as well have fun with it. Damn, I crossed that bridge years <laughs> ago. I did when I came into the community. It. I used to be very body conscious, very afraid of my body not measuring up to, to societal standards. I got into the community and everybody runs around naked and now it's just, okay, it's a naked body. Awesome. So now I get to tell everybody. That's definitely a pro to the BDSM community I've found is a lot of people... Are just oh, are just happy with their body and don't don't look mm-hmm. at the person next yeah. to them in jealousy. Man, what's beautiful? That it's wonderful. I always joke and say I gave up shame for Lent and forgot to pick it back up. Like freeing yourself of that. It's perfectly acceptable what? to do. Lent. It's a yeah. it's a it's religious a thing. thing. Yes, oh, that's that Catholic bullshit. You, know, you white people do. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm not a white people. Don't call me white people. What are you? Uh, Navajo. Alright, I take it back. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only white one here this time, Alt. You, man, we're not, we not going to get into that again. <laughs> you mean like every episode? So, one question I have that I unfortunately I have seen around on TikTok is mm-hmm. the different types of rope that people can be tied up using. Okay. All right. So I'd love wanna... to hear your kind of words of wisdom on that stuff. All right. So you can be tied up with anything. You can be tied up with electrical cords. You can be tied up with clothesline. You can be tied up with dental floss. You can be tied up with Kevlar thread. If, if you can imagine it, you can tie somebody with it. You did just, you say dental floss? Dental they floss. Did. Yep. Um, you dental floss, if you have a partner that has nipple piercings or is lucky enough to have larger nipples, you can tie dental floss to the nipples, put a little bit of tension on it. Um, I particularly like tying the dental floss and then putting it in their mouth as floss and it makes it stay there. That's the sadist in me. <laughs> I really like predicaments. Um, Gotta avoid that halitosis. True. I actually carry toothbrush and mouthwash in my rope bag because I've had partners whose breath smelled like rank ass, and I'm just like, never gonna go through that again. <laughs> never gonna be that person. I've also watched Monogatari. <laughs> but um, in general, most people tie with nylon. 
Nylon's really popular for Western ties. Um, not plugging them, but knothead nylon is considered the cream of the crop for nylon rope. They have an amazing way to dye it. The pros to it is it is technically weight rated for what you're going to do. Or we're talking about people using half inch climbing rope or bigger. Um, the cons are because it's slippery, as you pull it across skin, you're more likely to cause rope burns. It also doesn't stick to itself as well as a natural fiber would. So this means you have to be extra careful in what are called frictions and hitches. So frictions basically, um, you're using the friction of the rope against itself to hold it in place. A hitch is like a half hitch. Um, you just tie the rope around and you hitch it in place. Think horses. Um, there is jute. Jute is incredibly popular. You can get it in almost any color, any size. I personally use six millimeter rope. Um, it's not technically safe. It is not technically weight rated as is, but you double it up and you add multiple contingencies within your ties if something fails. Um, it's great because it has what's called a very natural tooth. It grabs to itself really well. It stays in frictions and hitches and knots really well. One of the downsides is it can stay in knots too well. It can compress. Um, if you add water to it, it can compress quite a lot and become impossible to untie. Um, a lot of the water scenes you'll see people do uh, they're using jute that they're about to throw out or they're going it has a higher weight rating um a lot of people that are allergic to grass tend to do better with hemp over jute because jute is technically grass it is a little bit stronger it has a different smell a different flavor a different touch um, what type of rope a person uses very personal to their education, what they were first exposed to, um, what feels good in their hands, what's accessible price-wise, because holy hell, can we go from cheap to, is this going to blow me when I get home? <sighs> How the fuck do you make your own Oh, rope? it's really easy. It is incredibly easy. So you hit Home Depot or Tractor Supply or whatever. Joanne Fabrics, Michaels, and you get the type of yarn thread that you want to make the rope out of. We come home, and you get a gel. I recommend one of the ones that you can plug in with some fabrics. And about six feet down, you put in three hooks, and you run your rope, your, your threads back however many times, however big you want your rope to be. You use your drill. You twist it together, you knock that off, you go to the other side, and you have everything fucked up. And then you twist the opposite direction, you're not trying to find it not, and it creates growth. We have two people in the greater Cleveland Akron area that teach rope making classes always once a year. It's fun, and you learn so much more about everything. Um, just everything by learning how to make brown belt. I 
heads off the spot. And you can make it with yarn. You can make it with cheap lion head acrylic yarn. You can make it with $50 of skin silk yarn. You can do anything. Um, I will say it needs to be at least one millimeter. Sarah, I was uh, that that sparked the thought that I had way earlier. Uh, you had mentioned uh, sex and rope play. Uh, we've learned in our previous BDSM com- uh, conversations that it's not always about the sex. It's almost something that sex is yes, related to, but it doesn't have to be at all. Um, I personally, my advice to myself is I don't tie people that I wouldn't fuck um, because for me, rope is very emotionally and physically vulnerable. So I'm not going to tie some stranger that's like, I like your rope. Tie me. I need to know that person. I need to be comfortable with that person. I need to have someone with trust for. I need to have a place where I'm going to choose. If I were doing rope tricks, stations, both clubs out here usually have what they call sensation stations about twice a year. Where you can go in and you can experience flogging or whips or paddles or ropes. Um, sometimes they'll do rope rides where they'll put somebody in what's called a hip harness. It's just you know, what it's like. Hips. And they'll drop the person sit back in there to kind of suspend themselves. That's not my game. I like tiny people and I don't like giving rides. If that clarifies that a little bit. Um, but sex and rope, that's where it started. It, it started as fetish. And, oh, I don't know how to explain this. As the world realized that there's more than binary, there is more than gay or straight, there's asexual, demisexual, sapiosexual, a place really great where people that are not sexual want to leave those things. Um, they just want to do ties, they just want to experience the sensations, but they don't want the intimacies or necessarily vulnerabilities in it. Those are the people that I usually say, I'm not the best person for you. This person likes to do that type of experience. Um, it's very rare that I would send somebody to another person and that's somebody walks into a community and they're like, I'm Tyrone, I am Rope God. And I'm like, that's funny. I've never seen you out of class and I've been doing it for seven years. How'd you learn? And they're like, the internet. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, a book. Um, Facebook. They're great resources once you know your basics, once you've got your skills. I'm not joking when I say 50 single columns today. It helps. We learn muscle. So that already saves lives, saves necks, saves wrists. Um, it helps create either a sexual, if you've got the muscle memory, you've got the stored feeling of it, you're able to make that tie of more in passion situation. Where you're not necessarily thinking of all of the covering that kind of thing. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. That's why practice is so important. We have a couple up here um, that teaches at local swinger club in Cleveland that teaches a lot of uh, edging, suspension, stuff, stuff that's easy to do. Easy to do. 
Obviously, you can go to like Pinky and whatever foreign thing of your your favorite flavor and find where people and people get fucked in the That That is where it came from. Long time ago, Japanese man was popular. I was like, why? You don't like it. Not doing more, doing more, doing more. And that singular incident snowballed into this entire community. This man creating these pictures and prints. It is fascinating. I will try not to go to that. Why would you not put in the comments? Well, that sounds like a. It sounds like a lot of BDSM subcategories started with sex, and then have slowly grown out from there. And unfortunately, that first experience is always what seems to yeah. keep everybody tied to. Oh, it's got to be about the sex. So I definitely see that it was a community that started there, and then rope plays grown to just the comfort and the like release of oneself there are people i'll tie with where i don't want it to, to be sexy time i just want say i want seminal torture rope i just want it to hurt i just want to know that i am a badass and i can endure this and then there's times where i want very connective rope where i want to feel me and my partner really kind of merge and create this wonderful space where nobody else exists as many times as we've tied we've never had sex while tied that's outside of my risk profile because i can't be in full control of the rope if i'm banging you it just doesn't work that way so i will create the mood untie and then we have happy sexy fun times but in rope I want to be thinking about our shared pleasure rather than, oh shit, is my friend and this person going to get hurt? Has the ropes moved? Do we need to check tension? Do we need to adjust anything? Okay, is everything? Like, there's five like things. You don't want to have to split your attention between exactly. the person and the rope. It is not safe to split your attention. It really isn't. That's why some of the most beautiful rope pictures are ones that had three PAs in the background helping the person get lifted. Okay, everybody clears, take the picture, down the model goes. The way you talk about it definitely makes it feel, not even like in a like sexual way, but it makes it sound very romantic and like connecting to everybody. For me it is. Um, I definitely can't speak for everybody, obviously. But for me, rope is a tool that I can use to tell somebody how I feel about them. It is a way I can create a mood. I can change a mood. It is a way that somebody can do all those things for me. Um, feel comforted. Feel, make me feel brave. Can make me feel strong. It can make me feel beautiful. It can wreck me and make me feel ugly, miserable, and disgusting. Like it can. You can use this tool to seek emotions in another person and getting to the point where you have the skill, the ability, and the forethought to be able to do that. It, it's a journey. I personally, obviously, I think it's worth it. But some people, they just want to tie up pretty skinny white girls, take a picture, and be peacocks. And that's their thing. That's what gets them off. And as long as everybody's consenting and people aren't getting hurt, right the fuck on. Well, Sarah, you have been 
quite the wealth of knowledge for all tonight today. Uh, do you have any like websites or socials or anything you'd like to plug I, just in general? Um, I'm on Plotlight as Not Today Satan um, with the underscore. And on Instagram, I'm not period today period Satan underscore road. Um, that's set to private. So friend me if you don't look like a creeper. What's your favorite type of tie? Um, my favorite personal, if I'm doing it with another person, is putting them in a box tie or a goatee, TK, one of the five million names for the same damn tie, and doing a single column on the ankle and working with the person's body to create different shapes. If I am tying myself, my favorite tie to self-suspend from is a what's called a single line um, around my waist. It's basically just a single column around my waist. And I do my little party tricks from there. Um, being tied, I really love deep torsion ties where my shoulders are facing one direction, but I am torsioned in a way that the rest of my body's facing another direction. I, I, I find the construction of breath and the construction of body movement to be incredibly relaxing for some reason. You know, I'll, I was going to be a really big smartass because you just asked, what is your favorite tie? And I was going to like answer with a tie dish, but I don't know any oh, tie dishes. That's horrible. Weak. weak. You're weak. Are you, are you uncultured? You... Fuck. Uh, the best Me. type of tie oh. is hentai. I've been building that up for the oh, last hour. That, that's a good one. That's I a good like, one. How do I fit this <laughs> in? I was going to say mango sticky rice. You know, literal. That's my favorite tie. Well, I'm glad we all had a dumb joke to contribute at the, in the end there. That tells me you've never had pho. I haven't had any. Or a we've discussed. We've discussed this before. I don't have any type of foods that are not just nothing here homie when that gets you out of here we we trying all the food you know you man man if when you go to pa if you do not get a philly cheesesteak i'm gonna hurt you oh i got the state wrong i was i was in minnesota yeah that's where i was <laughs> all right we're done we're done uh, i guess okay done. final plugs uh as you all know, we have a, if you're listening to this podcast, you must have found us somewhere. We are on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever you find a podcast, you can find us at the Lusty Lounge, except for Amazon. I feel like we could get on there. We got denied. They were like, no, y'all talking about sex? Get out of here. I'm like, oh. fair enough. Well, we tried. Uh, we also have the Lusty Lounge podcast discord server as well as facebook page uh as well as on twitter and oh wait we're not on instagram yet on twitter you can find us at the lusty lounge uh and as always everybody be safe consent is key uh and tie your partners up well just don't let the door hit you on the way out and everybody have a good night bye bye, bye.